Chapter 7 of A History of Astronomy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A History of Astronomy by Walter W. Bryant. Chapter 7 Newton. Isaac Newton, born on Christmas Day, 1642, the day of Galileo's death was in Cambridge at the time of the Great Plague, which drove him, among many others, to retire to the country for a while. Meditating upon the central force that keeps the planets in their orbits, it occurred to him that a force similar to that which causes a body to fall to earth might, by continually deflecting the moon from a natural straight path, constrain it to revolve about the earth having already proved from kepler's laws that if planets describe circular orbits about the sun the force towards the sun would vary inversely as the squares of the distances he computed the distance through which the moon is deflected in one minute from the tangent to her orbit and found it thirteen feet then reasoning from the distance a body falls in a second at the earth's surface and applying his law of the inverse square he found that from this cause the moon would be deflected fifteen feet and this discrepancy led him to lay aside his brilliant conjecture several years later his mind was again directed to the same question and in the interim a far more accurate measurement of a degree of latitude had been made by picard this correction to the size of the earth completely removed the discrepancy he had found before and established the truth of his hypothesis footnote there are strong grounds for doubting the accuracy of this the generally accepted explanation of the delay End footnote. but the law of the inverse square was still unaccepted in fact newton had not apparently published much if any of the results of his researches in sixteen eighty four wren halley and hooke discussed the problem of motion in an orbit under a central force varying with the inverse square of the distance hooke claimed to have solved it but as he did not give his solution halley applied to newton who told him he had already solved it and that the result was an ellipse by halley's instrumentality he was induced to send in a memoir to the royal society containing some of the propositions afterwards embodied in his principia meanwhile flamsteed the first astronomer royal was working away at greenwich with a very moderate equipment to carry out the founder's object of so improving by accurate and continued observation the computed places of the moon and planets and brighter stars as to enable them to be used with confidence in navigation to him newton naturally appealed for more accurate places and elements for planetary orbits as he was still testing the accuracy of kepler's numerical third law in order to apply his new theory to every planet and satellite known in the heavens and though probably because flamsteed was only an observer and not a theorist he did not respond enthusiastically to newton's repeated requests the results he did send were of great value for the purpose just indicated 
to prove the universality of newton's law of gravitation as it is called by any direct argument is a practical impossibility all that could be done was to apply it to case after case in the hope that every single one would conform to it and the particular negative the only thing required to disprove the universal affirmative fail to materialize this hope has not yet been destroyed though we shall find suggestions as to the possible identity of the particular negative in the guise not of an exception to the universality of the law but of a suspicion as to its accuracy but besides the law of gravitation in itself a monumental achievement we owe to newton's mathematical talent a great mass of theorems which though many of them in their original form owing to his unwieldy methods of fluxions long remain too abstruse for students have ultimately tended to lighten the labours of mathematical analysis in optics moreover his labours were crowned with a great measure of success his failure to hit upon any device to get rid of chromatic aberration in object glasses led him to invent and construct the newtonian form of the reflecting telescope his investigation of the refraction of light through a prism helped to lay the foundation of the spectroscopy that plays such a conspicuous part in modern astronomy we must not dismiss the law of gravitation without studying some of its consequences with a view to gaining a juster appreciation of its importance newton's law translated into english runs thus every particle of matter in the universe attracts every other particle with a force varying inversely as to the square of their mutual distances and directly as the mass of the attracting particle he had previously established the theorem that any body composed of concentric spherical shells of different density attracts as if all its mass is concentrated at its centre it thus became possible to regard the celestial bodies as points he proved that a body projected in space under a central force according to his law must describe a conic section either a parabola or an ellipse or a hyperbola or a circle and that knowing the initial distance of the body from the seat of the central force and the direction and velocity of the initial motion the orbit could be completely determined from this he found that comets also obeyed the law he realized however that the presence of other bodies exercises a disturbing influence on orbital motion i e causes perturbations regarding the moon as moving about the earth but perturbed by the attraction of the sun he demonstrated that her apsides will advance and her nodes regress with reference to her orbit facts already established by observation footnote the apses or the apogee and perigee are the extremities of the major axis of the undisturbed relative orbit the lunar nodes are the points where the lunar orbit intersects the plane of the earth's orbit End footnote. he proceeded to compute many of the important lunar inequalities he discovered that the mutual attraction of particles of the earth combined with its rotation would cause a flattening at the poles 
since confirmed by geodetic measures. He also computed the theoretical value of the Earth's ellipticity and the law of gravity at the surface, and with marvellous insight perceived that the attraction of the sun and moon on the bulging matter around the equator would compel the Earth's axis to have a slow conical motion causing the phenomena of the precession of the equinoxes. He also showed how the attraction of the sun or moon by drawing the water away from the earth on the near side and the earth from the water on the far side gave rise to semi-diurnal tides. Moreover, by noting the effects of mutual attraction, he determined not only the ratio of the moon's mass to that of the earth, but also of the sun's mass to that of any planet possessing a satellite such are some of the consequences directly deduced from the famous law of gravitation and published in the celebrated principia in regard to which laplace says the imperfection of the infinitesimal calculus when first discovered did not allow newton to resolve completely the difficult problems presented by the system of the world and he was often obliged to give mere hints always uncertain until confirmed by a rigorous analysis. Notwithstanding these unavoidable defects, the number and generality of his discoveries relative to this system, and many of the most interesting points of the physico-mathematical sciences, the multitude of original and profound views, which had been the germ of most brilliant theories of the geometers of the last century, all presented with much elegance, will assure to the Principia a preeminence above all the other productions of the human intellect. It is quite possible that in this connection we owe a greater debt to Halley than is generally realised. Halley attacked the problem of elliptic motion without success, starting from the principle of the inverse square. Failing to get any result from his own work or any real assistance from Hooke, who claimed to have solved the problem, he singled out Newton as the man for the investigation, and, finding it already disposed of, induced him to take it up again and elaborate it. He next persuaded him to send his book to the Royal Society, and convinced that body that it ought to be published. But even then, owing to the Society's want of funds, the publication hung fire until Halley himself paid the expenses of it. End of chapter 7 Recording by Alan Mapstone in Oxford, England